Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. Well, thank you for joining us for another edition of American Potential. You know, we've talked a lot about healthcare on this program, and we've done it because the government sets up so many barriers to good health care for the citizens of the United States. And when I say the word health insurance or health care system, do you have a positive or a negative reaction to that? For some, insurance companies stand in between them and their doctor. And then when there's an issue with insurance, it can be very frustrating to get it resolved. Sometimes it seems as if the health care system has more barriers than solutions. But with the introduction of the Health Care Fairness for All Act, it would have patients in control of their health care decisions. And this bill was introduced by a congressman who was born in the great state of Texas, but is no stranger to Washington, D.C. In his 24-year career in Congress, he's passed more legislation in the U.S. House than any other member of the Texas delegation. And one of his biggest accomplishments was working with his son, who has Down syndrome, and President Bush to get the Family Opportunity Act passed. I want to welcome our two guests for today, Congressman Pete Sessions and someone that we've had on before to talk about health care solutions, Senior Policy Fellow for Americans for Prosperity, Dean Clancy. Congressman, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. And what an honor it is to be with Dean. Dean has spent a lot of time not only understanding this, but making sure we apply it to millions of Americans to make their life better. Well, and and thank you. And thank you, Dean, for being with us. Now, Congressman, what you probably don't know about Dean, and I want him to very briefly tell this story. He told it once before on the podcast. He almost restarted the Cold War. And I want you, I know you know he knows a lot about healthcare, but I want him to very quickly tell you the story about he almost... He almost got us in a shooting war during the Cold War time in the Reagan era, right, Dean? Well, um, maybe. Um, and Congressman, thank you for your <laughs> kind words. The the uh, admiration is mutual, uh, let me assure you. But yes, when I was a young staffer in the Reagan White House in the late 80s, um, one of my jobs was to write thank you notes to people that the president had met with. And when he went to Germany and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, I got the job of writing thank you notes to about 37 high-ranking government officials in Germany. And um, we used standard uh, boilerplate. I mean, I wrote the letter, but then at the end, he would always say, God bless you. But with foreigners, he liked to do it in their language. And we had a little a uh, little guidebook that told us how to say it in every language. So I just copied it, you know, God bless you in German at the end of the, all those letters and out they went. Turns out I had transposed two letters and instead of saying God bless you, it said God burn you in German. <laughs> so we started getting phone calls, but luckily uh, uh, no, no shooting war. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure all of our listeners understood that. No, I appreciate you telling that story, Dean. It's a great one. And Congressman, I wanted to ask you, your first campaign for Congress in the 1990s, you traveled around with a trailer. Tell us about that. Well, in fact, I did. Uh, we called it the manure tour. <laughs> and the manure tour was uh, my, my opposition 
to what might be called the Hillary healthcare plan. And that was a one size fits all government takeover that you may know that Phil Graham gave the famous quote, it would, it'll be under my uh, dead body that this will pass, over my dead body that this will pass. Phil Graham was a hero in central Texas and this congressional district that I was running in. So we tried to uh, follow up from what Senator, senior Senator from Texas, Phil Graham said. And so we got a trailer filled with horse manure. And we said the only thing that stunk worse than that trailer was the, was the Hillary Clinton healthcare plan. Well, th- thank you for doing that and highlighting how bad Hillary care would have been uh, for, for America. Congressman, you've, you have a lot of experience in the area of healthcare and uh, would love to hear your personal experience with the healthcare system. I know you, you, we, we talked at the beginning, your son has down syndrome. I know healthcare has been a, a real special um, issue that you have really worked on in your time in Congress. Tell us why it's important to you and, and the, the, the millions of Americans that, that rely on good quality healthcare. In fact, uh, it has a lot to do with my upbringing. I, I had a little brother that passed away in 1964. Dr. Denton Cooley performed surgery on, on my little brother, Jonathan. Uh, he did not make it, but it was my first eye-opening experience to learning about doctors and healthcare and hospitals and how important it is to life itself. Yes, life or death also. Uh, Then I was in college. I have 13 fraternity brothers that are medical doctors. Today, my oldest son is a medical doctor uh, in Austin at Dell Children's Hospital. But what got me started on all of this was my son's birth, a Down syndrome young man, and his need to make sure that we had good and better and appropriate health care Years later, I found out when I went on Obamacare, as all members of Congress who accepted the employer provided health care for the House of Representatives as members, we learned that not one children's hospital took Obamacare insurance, which is all our family had at that point. So everything was out of pocket if we went to a children's hospital. Children's hospitals, like any specialty hospital, specialize in children. Just a little hint about that. But because the reimbursement was so level, was so uh, low on Obamacare, they would not take this. And this was true of so many facts and factors of what was called the Affordable Care Act. It did not offer specialty services. The best in the business did not handle uh, this. And so it became the first time that the Democrats allowed there to be a separation of the best doctors for everyone to just the best doctors to do to those that had the right insurance. So that began opening my eyes. We had a health care bill. It was called the world's greatest health care plan. Uh, during the uh, just after uh, the Obamacare bill, and that was to make sure that Republicans did have a bill. Now this new bill, HR three one two nine, the Health Care Fairness for All Act, I'm about to get that down. Mm-hmm. In fact, is that 
bill that would allow parity in the marketplace for people many times who were underinsured or have uh, expensive health care coverage. It allows them to have the same parity or advantages that people who have tax help receive for employer-provided health care. Very important. This does not compete against Obamacare. It offers answers to the marketplace that our federal government spends hundreds of billions of dollars trying to handle with subsidies, not very effectively. Well, and I appreciate you doing that. Why did you feel it was important to introduce this bill now? The Well, first of all, we won back the House. <laughs> when you win back the House and have the majority, right. you stand a chance to have your bill not just be taken seriously, but it can become a, a, a point of, of real success for your party to show where your party is. In fact, this bill comes at a time uh, when there is still uncertainty in the healthcare market. There are uh, huge problems that wander across the states with uh, surprise billing. It answers questions that modernize the healthcare system. There are some 10 leading edge ideas that even the great Dean Clancy says, good idea, that's why that ought to be in this bill. Because if we're going to call it modernizing, we have to make sure that we're leading edge. And so Dean Clancy and Dr. John Goodman were a part of making sure that we were modernizing of the things that are embedded in healthcare, but not might not be permanent. And so that's why we're trying to modernize and make this with parity for every single American taxpayer. Well, and, and to bring Dean in, Dean, what, what were your thoughts when you first, you know, I guess, talked with uh, the congressman about this legislation and, and, of course, reading the bill? I mean, what were your first thoughts? Well, I was blown away because I've been following these issues now since 1993, Hillary Care. Uh, that was my first job on Capitol Hill, um, working on health care. And um, luckily, we were able to stop Hillary Care, but it, of course, came back in the form of Obamacare. And I've been following the issues all along. And so over time, I developed some ideas in my head of, well, what we've got to do to fix our health care system so it really does serve Americans. And this bill by Congressman Sessions does it. It's got everything that needs to be done in health care uh, without taking away what people currently enjoy and like about our health care system. People criticize us for not having universal coverage. Well, we actually have pretty close to universal access. We've got some serious problems. This bill fixes them and gets us even closer to universal access. It helps especially lower-income workers, fast-food restaurant employees, people who in today's system kind of fall through the cracks because supposedly they're offered an affordable health plan at work, but it's not really affordable for them, and they have no access to any other subsidy outside the workplace. But under this bill, they would have a personal portable subsidy for health insurance, and it's a generous subsidy. $4,000 for an adult, $2,000 for a child. So, for example, a family of four with two adults, that's $12,000 a year that the government would be saying, this is your money, 
for your health care. You can spend it on insurance. You can spend it on out-of-pocket medical expenses. You're in charge. That's what blew me away about the bill, is this is the first bill that truly shifts power to patients and away from third parties like government bureaucracies and health insurance companies. And um, so, uh, of course, I got excited about the bill, and I was really excited when Congressman uh, Sessions told us that he was looking to reintroduce it, and he was also looking uh, for thoughts about how to improve the bill from outside, uh, you know, thought leaders and so on. And uh, so we're, we're just terribly excited and uh, have been working very hard to educate people about Congressman Sessions's great bill. So we've talked a lot about, uh, Dean, in the past, we've talked about the personal option. And uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about the personal option, what that means, and how this bill fits into that personal option framework. Well, a personal option is our term at Americans for Prosperity for, um, a, it's, a, it's a vision and a campaign and a strategy to put the patient in charge of health care. When patients control the dollars, all the problems we see will begin to go away. You'll get price transparency. You'll get affordable prices. You'll get portable benefits. Uh, all kinds of problems are solved if the patient is in charge. This bill does that. There's three main things the personal option seeks to do. First, empower patients, not insurance companies. So, for example, with a personal health care credit like the one in the Sessions bill. Second, make sure everyone can save and pay for health care tax-free, health savings accounts for all. Today, only about one in 10 Americans, as a practical matter, has access to a tax-free health savings account. Why not make that available for everybody? And here again, the bill does that. And then the third thing is remove barriers between patients and the medical professionals they trust. And here the bill does all kinds of great things to remove those kinds of barriers, barriers to telehealth, barriers to uh, uh, small businesses and uh, independent contractors getting together and buying insurance at group discounts, uh, barriers to uh, physicians owning hospitals, which increases competition, uh, barriers to uh, uh, basically there's federal laws that uh, encourage local hospital monopolies to form and the hospitals buy up all the doctor's uh, offices and it leads to higher prices and less choice and access. The, the bill de deals with it. It's sort of like that old uh, pre uh, Prego spaghetti sauce commercial, you know, where she keeps at, you know, the husband keeps asking, you know, what about uh, tomatoes? It's in there. Well, what, you know, what about uh, oregano? It's in there. Whatever you think <laughs> is wrong with American health care, it's in this bill. Well, that, and that's that's great to know. Congressman Sessions, I'm so happy to hear the HSA issue uh, could be solved for millions of Americans. Uh, when I had Dean on this program the last time, I told him I, I have an HSA. I love it. Um, and I was amazed that not every, it's one of the things that I was so shocked with when I heard that only 10% of Americans have it because Congress and the federal government erected a barrier against people saying that they couldn't have that. And it may not be the best situation for everybody. Maybe an HSA doesn't work for everyone, but for goodness sakes, everybody ought to have the option of doing that. And your bill does that. Well, in fact, what you say is correct. There are a huge number of barriers and things that are unfairness in today's healthcare policy world. 
the biggest one is, and, and I proudly say I'm a product of the free enterprise system. I worked for AT&T for 16 years. And during that period of time, I was able to have what's called employer-provided health care, which meant that my employer was able to provide that as a result of World War II era politics and policy, whereby my company was able to offer me health care that was on a group plan basis, whereby they were able to show their 70% of their contribution, which is about the average 70% of the uh, cost of the health care was paid for by my company. They wrote that off or that was, a, an employee, that was a, a business deduction. And then my 30% that I would pay would be what's called pre-tax. And pre-tax meant that I was able to pay my money and then the money that was left over, I would be taxed on. But it also gave me a chance then to have a $5,000 deductible that I could purchase to buy uh, medicines and other uh, ancillary items that not, might not be just at a hospital or a doctor's office. Perhaps it was a physical therapist. Perhaps for Alex, my Down syndrome child, it was some sort of a therapist. I could pay this out of my pre-tax contribution. The problem is, if you are not on employer-provided health care, you probably are, and, and forget Obamacare or Medicaid, those are different plans. If you probably had no health insurance, perhaps you were self-employed, perhaps uh, you had another circumstance uh, that did not offer you employer-provided health care, then you receive virtually no help. And so... People who are in that way, maybe they're real estate agents, perhaps they're small business owners, they have to purchase health care that, in my case, I was in the 28% tax bracket. That meant I received a 28% advantage over these people. And so it allows them to have a tax credit, as Dean has said, $4,000 per adult, $2,000 per child up to age 18, uh, Kaiser Permanente says today in California, the average family of four cost of health care is around $22,000. This would provide, in the case that we're in today, about $12,000 that would be available to that person to go online to be able to buy any health care that was available to them, including an HSA and to be able to have the government apply the first $12,000 to that policy and then them to pay, yes, on an after-tax basis then because that $12,000 represented the parity to what a person on employer-provided health care may have, and then they could get presumptively health care with a group policy for $1,000 a month. This means that fewer people show up uninsured. They show up with the health care that they need. They can take care of their families. Today, the federal government spends hundreds of billions of dollars of reimbursing health care uh, companies, hospitals, money because they were giving their money out of pocket to people who 
could not afford it, did not, were uninsured. So this solves a lot of problems. And then it modernizes, as Dean says, a lot of the activities that take place in healthcare. Really proud of this bill. And that is parity for what we believe is about 80 million other Americans. Well, that is great. I think one of the big problems we've had with our healthcare system is, you know, portability uh, with, with people who, because it's an em, uh, employment-based system, there's a lot of people that that just doesn't work for them. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, realtors and others, uh, you know, some small business owners, uh, or sole proprietors. So, so this really might help modernize the system for them as well. Those are the people that would really benefit, I think, uh, from this bill, along with with everybody with more options and and choices, but this would really benefit uh, those folks that don't traditionally aren't in a sort of traditional employment role. Well, and and we we like as Americans to use the word fairness, also, and so having a fair system means that we fix much of healthcare today. One of the biggest issues in healthcare is what's called surprise billing. This takes that a big whack at surprise billing and means that people can show up with a health care plan rather than being out of network. If they choose to be out of network, that's their issue. But what this means is it gives them a chance at health care that they want, not just can afford. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dean, one of the things we've talked about a lot are these, you know, these barriers, government imposed barriers and I think the healthcare system works best when the patient is in control. And that's really what we're talking about with the personal option. You know, we don't want the insurance company to be driving medical decisions. We want that to be a decision between a doctor and a patient. But at the same time, you don't want the government driving those decisions as well. And and that's really what this bill is is trying to do, right? Is put more control of the system in the hands of those patients and keep it out of the hands of health insurance companies and and the government. That's right. It's uh, <clears throat> it's not just about fairness. Uh, Congressman Sessions is absolutely right. Uh, it does help the uh, independent contractor, the Uber driver, the person that doesn't have access to an employment-based health plan. It treats them equally now. That's the fairness part of it. But there's also a freedom part of it. It is a Freedom uh, for Everyone Act as well because uh, now you as a patient won't have to deal with these narrow uh, networks that the insurance companies set up where you can't get to the doctor or the excellent uh, hospital that you want to get to because the insurance company won't pay for it. That The incentives to do that go away. By the way, there's a wonderful provision in the bill, uh, Jeff, called risk adjustment. It basically changes how... Uh, individual insurance companies will price their products and get paid so that they will no longer have the incentive to only sign up healthy people and then try to avoid paying claims for them when they get sick. Instead, they'll actually have an incentive to try to sign up people with medical conditions because they'll get paid more money for doing that, doing that. That's called risk adjustment. Brilliant idea. And it's in this bill. And it really increases protections for people. And by the way, the bill also maintains the existing protections for people with pre-existing conditions. It uh, 
It builds on them, but it gets rid of some of the non-essential federal mandates that just drive up the cost of health care, don't add any protection. In fact, some of these mandates just incentivize the insurers to make, make their premiums as high as possible. Uh, he gets rid of them in this bill, but he keeps the protections for, for the vulnerable. So it is not just a fairness bill, it's a freedom bill, and it's a protection for the vulnerable bill. You know, there'll be people listening who say, well, you know, health care is expensive. What does this bill cost? I don't know if uh, the Congressional Budget Office has scored this bill, but it sounds like you've got a lot of reforms in there that will actually drive down the cost of health care. Congressman Sessions, maybe you can talk to that a little bit and and what this the benefits, the financial benefits uh, to health care, to, to the government, to the taxpayers uh, that, that this bill might provide. Well, and I do want to do that, and I think Dean has uh, given us credit for what was a driving goal, and that is that what we want to do is give the American people, taxpayers, the same advantages or opportunities that I had when I worked for AT&T. I had what what is considered to be the best health care in the marketplace. It's the one that pays for the healthcare system that we have today that works. It's the one that creates an incentive for doctors and hospitals. It creates the incentive for technology, the best surgery, the best answers, the best training. Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, does not do that. Medicaid does not do that. Medicare does not do that. They are government-run programs that are stingy, that have serious rules and regulations about them, and the reimbursement levels many times can be up to 50% less than a robust model that is what we call employer-provided health care. When a company, in this case an insurance company, receives an opportunity to be paid and be responsible for families, what they do is they tend to encourage their hospital health care or doctor system or the private doctor to be able to meet patients at their needs rather than at their reimbursement levels. Reimbursement levels mean that doctors have to see many, many, many more patients So what this does is create a circumstance where people have insurance. They can go see a regular doctor, the same doctor if they choose time after time. It allows them to have the insurance that is portable, that goes with them even if they change jobs. It gives them the long-term continuity. But you ask about the dollar uh, amount. Pure and simple, how much more is this going to cost for Congress and the American people? Well, the facts of the case are we don't really know, but we are supposing and guessing that this would be wildly successful, which would mean that there would be a transfer of payments or of costs that the government makes to healthcare systems for uninsured people to an insured model. And that insured model over time will be not only less expensive, 
but more important to a family. It is better to have fewer arms and legs cut off that might come from diabetes. It is cheaper to avoid that $500,000 heart attack than it is to be healthy and to participate and help make payments rather than getting it what might be for free, only to have the system pay for it later. So it actually mirrors up a real American dream, and that is uh, any person that's in our tax code that is an American citizen that pays taxes because that's how you'll be getting this with the system that is the greatest uh, healthcare system in the world, and that is what we have in America. So I think we can accomplish this. It will add uh, some, could be up to 80 million people that today are underinsured or not insured at all and give them that basis, a switching of money that the federal government make from paying for people who are uninsured to, to giving parity to people and making them champions of their own health care. Uh, well, Congressman, Jeff, I, and, and oh, yes, Jeff, Jeff, can I jump in ahead. on that just a little bit? Sure. Um, I agree yeah. with everything the Congressman said. I would add to it. Um, the bill, the, the personal credit, which would be the one part of the bill that you might think might cost taxpayers some money. You When you use it, you, you're not going to be using any other existing federal subsidy. That will be your new subsidy. So in a sense, it simply replaces existing spending. It's not adding new spending on top. Add to that all of the competition that the bill will spur, because whatever you don't spend on insurance, you can save for future out-of-pocket medical expenses and build up into a nest egg for your future health care in your health savings account. That's going to encourage people to shop for value, and it's going to drive down prices. And then um, there are provisions in the bill that just plain save money. Like there's a site-neutral payment provision that the congressman added in this recent version of the bill that basically would stop uh, wasting taxpayer money on paying uh, hospital-based physicians two or three times what they pay independent community-based physicians for the exact same item or service. Uh, when you cut out waste like that, you save literally hundreds of billions of dollars a year. So I'm going to, I'm an old budget official. I worked at OMB in the White House. I'm going to guess that the bill saves taxpayers money, if not in the first 10 years, then long term for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, these reforms, and it, it, we're talking about getting rid of some of these, some of these barriers uh, and, and to efficiency in the system and over, over long term, that's going to help drive uh, drive down costs of the system. So, so thank you for that, Congressman. Um, how do people, if people want, what can they do to help get this legislation passed? I assume you've got several uh, co-sponsors that you're that you're gaining on this piece of legislation. But how can they help get this legislation passed through the House of Representatives? HR three one two nine needs to be driven by people who hear this who recognize what we're attempting to do. By the way, my party, I'm a Republican, has to have an answer, and I believe does, for better health care. And I think it's important that people know and understand that uh, people, whether they're Republican or Democrat, 
care about people back home. It's what we're trying to drive the policy for. And this policy is to help people who have been ignored since 1945. They have been ignored. They're called small business owners. They're called self-employed people. They are called, as you heard, Uber drivers. Perhaps they are even small business, uh, a medical office, could be real estate agent. We need to make sure that every single person adds to the contribution of this country and gains those benefits also through this parity bill. Well, and appreciate your your support on helping folks. And, and I, I really think for so many years, the Republican Party didn't have an answer. They just were opposed to certain reforms. They were opposed to Obamacare. They were opposed to Hillary Care and some of the other things. But there wasn't an answer that was out there. And I really think that over the, particularly over the last few years, Americans for Prosperity coming out with this personal option idea, Dean, great credit goes to you for that and the framing of what a personal option could be. But also this bill, Congressman, this is the answer. This is what uh, it sounds like the Republican Party stands for. But people who believe in the free market system in healthcare, this is what they stand for. So I give you great credit for putting that out there. We've come a long way in the last few years on coming up with solutions to healthcare. Uh, Dean, your thoughts on what people can do to help get this bill passed? Well, first of all, I do. I want to share in, in thanking Congressman Sessions for doing it, because this is the answer. This bill is the answer. And uh, anyone who says that uh, Republicans don't have a health care plan, well, just talk to Pete Sessions. <laughs> He's got the plan. Uh, if you want to get involved and learn more and do more, I would recommend you visit uh, a website that we've set up called personaloption.com. That's personaloption.com. And there you can sign up for updates on this bill and other reforms that we are trying to enact at the federal and state levels. And um, you can get involved. We try to make it easy for you to reach out to your representatives and let them know where you stand on these issues. And if you like the bill we've been talking about today, I hope you will will let them know. As he said, it's H.R. 3129, the Healthcare Fairness for All Act. Yes. Uh, thank you, Dean. Congressman, thank you so much for introducing this legislation, being a leader, really, in, in the House of Representatives on this issue. And, um, you know, it's going to make a difference in millions of Americans' lives and if we can get this law passed. So thank you for all that you're doing on that and, and your dedication to this effort. Thank you very much. And, and once again, Americans for Prosperity uh, Dr. Goodman and a huge number of other organizations are engaging their members, engaging the ideas. And we believe that, that ideas are what shape our world to make it better. And that's where my party, and I'm a part of our party, we're for solutions to problems with answers that work. Well, thank you, Congressman. And if you're listening this today, and you're saying, what can I do? You need to call your member of Congress and tell them to uh, to sign on to this bill, to call Congressman Sessions and add their name as a co-sponsor to this legislation. And, and let's change health care for the better to help affect millions of Americans who right now either have a hard time accessing health care or don't have very good access at all. So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you again to Congressman Sessions and to Dean Clancy 
for their great work on this issue that impacts so many Americans. Thanks for listening to this edition of American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.